Hi from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the Campfire Cafe on Equestrian Legacy Radio. Thursday from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, along with my co-host in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. Have you got a tequila sunrise there in front of you? No. <laughs> we have rain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you have rain. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the first day of summer. This is the this is the longest day of daylight we'll have this year, and we have been with heat indexes close to 100 degrees all week, and today it's 74. So that's oh the first day God. of summer and in Tennessee, raining. and raining and raining, oh, but well. uh, but it is what it is. So we'll enjoy this little cool spell for a bit, but. Uh, we have we want to we want to mention to folks if you tuned into the show last week we had the extreme mustang makeover that we talked about 
that was going on this week in Lexington, Kentucky, at the Kentucky Horse Park. Ms. Liz Foster was with us, and we want to just remind you that if you're anywhere near Lexington, Kentucky, to be sure and attend that event. It's free and open to the public, except for the show on Saturday night about 4.30, so be sure and visit those folks. They're having a ball, and it's for a great cause. They're adopting Mustangs, and um, we want to help support that, so just thought I'd mention that. Did you have a good time mm-hmm. talking with Liz last week and and Marsha? Oh Sam? yes, we, we just yes, talked all I about keep learning more. I keep yeah, I keep learning more and more about horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in the second part of the show today, we're going to be talking more about horses, and our good friends in Washington will be joining us. Mark and Lee Bolander with the Bolander Horse Park, and we'll be talking all about the International Mountain Trail Association. So we're going to have a good time in the second hour of the show. But right now, we're going to be visiting with our first guest. And who is that? Oh, we're so excited. Returning guest, Joni Harms, one of our favorite saddle pals, is standing by. All right. So we'll have a great time talking about Joni. She actually is in Nashville. And so we may talk a little bit about what's going on in Nashville as well. But right now, we're going to take a listen to a great song from the album Lucky 13. It's called Cowgirl Tough. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Joni Harms today on the Camp Tire Cafe on Equestrian Legacy Radio. If you've been bucked, kicked, stomped and bit, dumped,
back to Equestrian Legacy Radio and Campfire Cafe. And if you're just now joining us, that was Cowgirl Tough by Joni Harms. Today's guest, Joni Harms, is on the road making music and sharing it with her friends and friends around the world. She lives on a ranch in Oregon with her family that was homesteaded by her great-great-grandfather in 1872. And this special place has been an inspiration for many of her songs. Today, she's joining us from Nashville, where she's performing this week. Joni has the songwriter's gift, spinning stories with her words and clear, captivating country voice. She grabs a hold of the listener and doesn't let go. She's spun these stories on 12 CDs, each one taking us across the pages of Western history and into the landscape and hearts of the people of the West she loves. Today, we're sharing the music from her brand new, much-anticipated CD, Lucky 13. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, award-winning singer, songwriter, performer, entertainer, and the best saddle pal ever, Joni Harms. Welcome, Joni. Hey, Bobby, what an introduction. My goodness sake, I learned some things about myself. <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome. Thank you, my dear. And Gary, how are you? I'm doing fine. She she didn't mention Rodeo Queen, you know, so you, you've just run the gamut. You've just run oh, the gamut. I've had a lot of fun for years. I I, I know what my where I belong, and, and I, I love my, my Western and cowboy friends and, and country friends. And, you know, it's just it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride, and uh, hopefully got a few miles to go yet. Well, that's that's absolutely great. Well, we've actually kind of known each other for several years, and you've been yeah. on the show several times. It is all, of course, we've never met in person, so it's kind of interesting that we're going to. And here I came to Nashville. I thought we could make that happen, but maybe next time. Maybe next time we'll plan on that. Yeah. But uh, what yeah. are you doing? What are you doing in Nashville? I know last night you performed at uh, Opry Backstage Grill, and you're performing at uh, Belmont Taps tonight. But what's going on? What are you doing in Nashville? Well, well, um, partially with Olivia um, songwriting, but I kind of turn her loose now to, to do her thing. She really wants to follow into the music business and. You know, I tell people it's just such a wonderful treat for me because I have a son that is wanting to carry on the ranch and the farm, and he also just got uh, signed as a salesman at John Deere Pape Machinery, so he's selling tractors and machinery as well as running the ranch. And he's just 20 years old, and, and he knows that's exactly what he is on this earth to do. And Olivia has told me, you know, she just graduated from Oregon State University last year, and she said, you know, I've... I, I got the degree that I can fall back on, but I just feel in my gut I got to follow music first and see if I can make something happen. So she is here writing. She's, you know, performing a lot um, on her own and with me. And uh, so I've introduced her to just about everybody I know in Nashville, and, and she's writing with a producer friend of mine that produced my Let's Put the Western Back in the Country and Cowgirl Dreams for Warner Brothers album, Biff Watson today and earlier this morning she just uh signed over at bmi as a writer with gear with uh, david wow and uh yeah she's having a good day and and you know uh this weekend we we're making the most of this trip we're going to do a duet album together a mother-daughter thing oh Oh, that's great oh 
so that's yeah, wonderful. And it, it's it's going to be um, by request of fans, really. Uh, you know, a lot of times in the show, just to break it up from all of our own music, we'll throw a few old standards in there and harmonize together on them. And, and we continually have people come up and say, you know, have you got that on tape? Have you got a copy of that? I just love that. And I love that song and the way you guys harmonize on it with your family harmony. And so I thought, you know, I need to listen to what people are asking me for. I mean, I hopefully they'll... My 13th CD, Lucky 13, is all original material again, but um, we're going into the studio actually tomorrow to start recording this little duet album, and uh, hopefully by midsummer or so, we'll we'll have that out as well. Oh, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I was just trying to think... um, the last time that we had you on the show, whether we had you by yourself or whether we had Olivia with you, because we played a lot of her music and we talked with both of you. Uh, she's very yeah. talented, very talented. Yeah, I buddy. went, I went yeah. back in, and the last time, uh, Joni, I think you were with us. We were celebrating the traditions of Christmas, and I think um, you're right. We, yes, we had you on. It was. December of 2016. I couldn't believe it. It was two years ago oh, wow. already. <laughs> and wow. we um, we really emphasized your wonderful Christmas CD, and we talked about your family traditions. And I don't think you've been with us since then. Well, time goes by so fast. It seems like it's not been that long ago, but it probably has. You know, it wow. probably has. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, good to be I, back. Thank you for inviting yeah, me back. Absolutely. We'll have to when, well, you, when you have that next CD out. We'll need to get you both back on with us. Oh, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, kind of the, you know, in a way, I also told her because because that CD that she put out, she was only 16 years old, and now she's 23, and so her sound, her style of the songs she writes, everything, of course, is is so much different. Um, yeah. So it's really time for her to get something new out. But, you know, at that time, I didn't even know for sure if she was going to pursue music or not. It was just kind of something fun she was enjoying then. But she's got the the bug, and so we're going to do this duet CD, and then a lot of the proceeds from that will go towards her coming back to Nashville more and hopefully getting some songs written that she can go back in and record another album that we can shop to the labels and all that. So so buy this new CD so we can keep Olivia going towards the goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so gosh. Fun. Well, I, I, want to, um, I want to get to another one of the songs from the CD, Lucky 13, right now. It's a beautiful song. Yes, it's please. one called I Can See It In Your Eyes. And let's take a listen to that, and then we're going to come back and talk more with Joni on the Campfire Cafe. just can't believe I'm here with you You appeared like an angel From out of the blue You're just what I need Love with no lies This time it's forever I can 
Just can't believe you're here with me, right by my side, where I want you to be, walking together, where love never dies. This time is forever. I can see it in your eyes. They say the eyes are the mirror to the soul. That's how I know yours is made of So amazing when two hearts harmonize. This time it's forever. I can see it in your eyes. They say the eyes are the mirror to the soul. That's how I know. See it in your eyes, Joni Holmes. Uh, Joni, that's a pretty song. Thank you very much. I wrote that with my friend Jim Verhos, and uh, Danny Sheeran is doing the uh, duet with me from Ireland. We recorded that once again in Ireland when I was on tour over there last May. And um, I think some of you folks know about my live album that I had done from Oregon to Ireland when I met up with uh, this wonderful family. And what happened was um, we were doing several shows again uh, last year, over there last spring, and uh, Des Sheeran had just opened this brand-new studio, and uh, Phil Vassar recorded there, and then uh, Marty Haggard, I'd heard that out of there, and he said, Joni, um, if you want to record your new album while you're over here, 
Uh, you can stay in the apartment that's just up above the studio, and um, we can just have a nice, relaxed little time recording, and you can kind of co-produce it with me right here. And so I said, you know, that sounds just like a lot of fun. And, and those guys, in my opinion at least, are just such talented musicians. It's not all the Sheerans on this band, um, on this, excuse me, CD. Um, there's even some folks that it's amazing how they can do stuff now. Uh, there's Sheeran, you know, sent some files to Nashville, and so some of the banjo and some of the other parts on the instrumental parts of the song um, were recorded in Nashville and then sent back to Ireland and then they ended up, you know, getting the final product put together back there. But, you know, I think it shows through in this CD that it was such a, just a relaxed, enjoyable time because I would just, his little, you'd never know it was there. The studio was out on a farm um, in the out back of Ireland. And so I came down from the comfortable little studio um, apartment above the studio, cup of coffee in hand and, just all I only I didn't have to drive. I didn't have to get all stressed out with traffic. I just strolled down the stairs and we started playing when we were ready. It was wonderful. Uh, that's great. That is absolutely uh, great. I even heard the rooster crowing in the morning there, so I felt right at home. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that in any of the songs, though. <laughs> no, it's pretty good soundproof in his studio. Thank goodness. Yeah, well, it's a great. It is a, absolutely a great CD, and and everything on it is good. So, when you go through well, and select you, music Jay. for a show, it, you kind of make it hard to do. But uh, but it's it's a terrific well, that's a, CD. That's my it's, goal. <laughs> yeah, it's Lucky Thirteen. So be sure and visit JoniHarms.com after the show, and and order your. You copy. know the the Thirteen story, right? You guys, you need to tell, tell us, us about that. To, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I was Please reading about read that. Tell us about it. Yeah. Well, I kind of always figured when I got to my thirteenth CD, that was we the title. When I so when I recorded, recorded my thirteenth CD, I said I'm going to call it Lucky Thirteen. It's going to have thirteen songs on it. And my dad, um, back when he got out of World War II, was released at Dock Thirteen on November thirteenth. But there was lots of things wow. out on the ranch um, for some reason that just we just kind of all the family had that was kind of a lucky number. And we certainly never got worried about Friday the 13th. It was usually a good day. Something good had happened that day. And then uh, it just kind of all got finalized, though, on that being my lucky number when Miss Olivia was born because uh, she was born on June 13th in room 13 at 113, <laughs> which is military time, 1313. That's wild, isn't it? Uh, That's too coincidental. It was meant to be. It was absolutely meant to be. And the other part of that fun story is that that I had told the doc, I said, because I I was on Capitol Records then, and so it was a pretty big time for me, and I I said to my doctor, I said, if she's not here by the 15th of June, I'm going to be very disappointed because I have um, been offered – a chance to play at the Portland Speedway with the tractors, Clint Black, Lori Morgan, this huge lineup, Ricky Skaggs. And so he, I said, I'm, I'm not going to miss that concert. So can, can we can we do something about this if she's not here in time for that? And uh, he said, well, let's just figure that if she's not here on the 12th, the morning of the 13th, we'll bring you in and, and induce her and get this baby out here. And so away I went on the 13th. 
And then, of course, she was born at 113, and I took her out on stage with me on the 15th at that Aww. big festival and introduced her to everybody. Oh, wow. So no wonder she likes the music business, huh? That's I right. She so. was born into it. Yeah. yeah. That's a great <laughs> story. A no choice. You have a very cool pair of boots, um, Joni, and there was a great photo of them on your website, and I posted it on Facebook last night. Of um, Tell us about those boots that have the horseshoe and the 13 on them. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but on the CD itself, too, there is a, on the backside of my brown, uh, brown boots, There's it says Lucky 13. So um, yeah. I have lots of outfits and things that I, I have some with the horseshoe and JH and some with the horseshoe and 13, meaning Lucky 13. And I've been very blessed to work with Lou Casey Boots for many years now, and they have uh, blessed me with many pairs of really cool boots that I could never in the world have afforded, but um, I'm so proud to wear and advertise for them. And so thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. I, I wouldn't have boots like that if I didn't have those guys on my side. They're just beautiful, beautiful, too That's fun. Great. That's great. <laughs> well, you are, well, you know, Joni, you're kind of, kind of, of, a, one of the love. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Joni. Well, I just no. was going to say it's one of the blessings of, of being country and still wanting to wear Western wear when I sing. You know, there's a lot of artists out there that don't want to wear, female artists that don't want to dress country, well, men and women. And so, you know, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. great. More better, more better for us that, that do want to dress that way. <laughs> I know my husband. My husband will often say when watching um, programs, uh, especially regarding the men, he'll say, "What did they do? Did they just clean the garage and then come out on stage?" <laughs> well, everybody <laughs> got their look, but but yeah, I'm, I think you know. I personally believe that it is a privilege to step onto the stage to perform for people, and I think we need to look our very best. And we would agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I was just thinking a while ago. Now, you you said earlier that you had just taken Olivia around and introduced her to everybody in Nashville that you knew. When you were getting started, what was the process like for you? Because you've performed on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. You perform all over the world. But who was it that helped you out? Anybody? Well, way back in the day, there was um, some folks from Oregon that raised hops, actually, and I had done my second CD on my own, and they were big fans, and they said, you know what, it's time we got you back to Nashville. And I had been a time or two before that, but was probably not knocking on the right doors or whatever. And so we looked into it, and... um, I was blessed to meet a guy by the name of Byron Gallimore, who is responsible now, like for Faith Hill and Tim McGraw's recordings and all that. And he took a liking to my music. And so we went in uh, and recorded a four-song demo. A couple of them were my songs, and a couple of them were songs that we found together in Nashville that we liked. And so we did that four-song demo. And lo and behold, uh, a few months later, it got to uh, an attorney that took it and played it from the for Mr. Jimmy Bowen, the legendary Jimmy Bowen, who yeah. produced wonderful, wonderful artists such as George Strait and River McIntyre and all kinds of them. And then uh, eventually I got signed to a label that way. And, you know, interestingly enough, that's still kind of the process. It's really all about the songs, 
you you know, you need to have the great songs, and that's why we're stressing so much that Olivia needs to write, 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 write right now, because it can't just be an okay song or or even a good song. It's got to be a great song if you're going to get their attention. Right. And I think anymore in Nashville, just like it kind of used to be, though, is you have to have a unique sound. You don't want to be another cookie cutter, even though sometimes it sounds that way. I think if you can go in the door of a record label and have a, a kind of a unique look, a unique sound, have songs that you've co-written and been part of that are different from everything else out there, um, that's that's what it takes. And, and, you know, knowing, getting in the door with with people that can help you get there because that, you know, that was really how it was for me. And, I mean, that's a long ways from Oregon to Nashville, Tennessee. And, and you, you, it say, is. you know, you can't just go there and, and, and not really work hard to make something happen. But, but I was, I was blessed to meet a lot of people. And then I really call it kind of my college years because when I got signed to the label, I also got signed to a publishing company and man, did I learn a lot from all these great writers in Nashville about how to structure a song and that it needs to be between two and a half and three minutes long to get radio airplay. I mean, you know, I didn't know all those things. And, and so it's, it was kind of kind of my learning for a long time there, and it's just it's really it's really still that way. You need to really spend some time here to learn what it's all about before you just automatically get a record deal. Well, you can get a master's degree in Nashville by working with these with these writers and with these uh, with these publicists and with, with the other people in the record industry. But uh, I just I was just curious about that. I was just curious about that. Yeah, but even if you do all that, Gary, that's not going to guarantee your record deal. You know, there's no no, way to guarantee anything on that. You just got to try and, you know, do your best. That's right. You just got to be cowgirl tough. You just got to be cowgirl (laughs) tough and just keep keep moving forward, right, Joni? No kidding, because you're going to get shot down. You are definitely going to get shot down along the way. Well, one of of my favorite songs on this new CD is is about a country performer that I think must have been an inspiration for you, and I think Gary has it up next on the the playlist. You want to tell us a little bit about the song, Merle? I would love to. I was a huge fan of his. Not only did I think he had just great songs and a beautiful voice, but um, was just such a great um, melody writer. I mean, and and the way he could, you know, play the guitar and and make all of those sounds happen from just this one person. It just, you know, it's just truly a velvet voice and a a melting kind of sound on some of his songs. It just, you know, gave you goosebumps almost. And I had the pleasure of meeting Merle the first time um, at Shasta, when I was performing there and he was there. And so I got to get up on stage and, and play with him. And he was very kind to me. And, and, you know, I was before I ever had any kind of a record deal, but he was very encouraging and said, you know, I think you've got some talent and good luck to you, Joni. And, um, you know, I just, I, when he passed, I just, I, I kind of felt sick for a few days. Cause I mean, he'd really, really, I know a lot of people felt that way. It's just, it's just, yeah. you know, kind of a hero. And so um, I, I kind of started to play around with, with some ideas. And then I thought, you know, I, I still, I, I, I've been a fan for years, but there's some things I don't know that I know about him. So I did a lot of research and, you know, these things about him growing up in a boxcar and all that is, is all true. You know, that was, that's how he started out. And, 
Um, so it was fun to be able to put some of that to music and, you know, put a few licks and a few titles in there with hopefully not overdoing it, but just to make it a song that Merle fans can certainly relate to. Well, it is a great song. It's a great tribute to a gentleman that passed away on his birthday two years yeah. ago. And so let's take a listen to Merle by Joni Harms, and we'll come back and talk more with her around the Campfire Cafe on Equestrian Legacy Radio. Born in 1937, he grew up in an old boxcar. Who'd think a lonesome fugitive would make it very far? But with a jail cell for a schoolhouse and an old six-string guitar, somehow this branded man became a country star. He was a yokie from Muskogee. And he sang his songs with pride We all stood right beside him Walking on the fighting side Although he never knew it He broke ground and led the way For so many of us in the music industry today No one could write a song the way that you could, Merle understand all around the world some would make us laugh and some would make us cry and they'll be sung forever country heroes never die I'm sure he's up in heaven wearing silver wings and that velvet voice is singing And bending guitar strings I bet a choir of angels Were there to welcome you And Hank and George and Johnny Were standing right there too No one could write a song The way that you could, Merle Songs that folks could understand Your songs will never die. Off of Joni Harms' brand new CD, Lucky 13, that is her fabulous tribute to Merle Haggard called Merle. And Joni is back with us, rejoining us here on Campfire Cafe. Um, Joni, this is just such a fun CD, it's such a wonderful collection of um, stories and upbeat songs and 
songs of love and and um i i thoroughly enjoyed it from the moment that it came um i think that all us joni uh fans we always wait with anticipation for the next cd <laughs> we're always curious to know um what you will do with pen to paper in songwriting <laughs> and then you know how you'll vocalize it and I recognize that on the CD, although it is all original, there are several songs that you did um, collaborate with a song, another partner. Can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process when you partner with another? Absolutely. And uh, that's a good question. I, I, it's, it's one of the most frightening things the very first few times you do it because it's kind of like exposing yourself. You know, I mean, you're afraid, when, especially like coming into Nashville the first few times I was getting set up with some co-writing appointments because you feel like, you know, what if they think what I'm going to say is dumb or, or they don't, they don't like what I'm trying to come up with. And, you know, it's intimidating. It truly is. But um, as I said a little earlier, you just learn so much. And, and that's exactly what I'm seeing happening. Like right now for Olivia is, you know, she says, well, I didn't realize this and this and this. And, you know, I can tell her that stuff, but <laughs> it's so much better for her to hear it and learn it from someone else. So, but I, I have discovered along the years that I have, like Jim Verhost, who I also shared, I had written about, oh, I don't know, at least a quarter of that song, and I um, said, you know, what do you think of this? And, and if you've got any ideas, you're one that I would, because I almost wrote Merle by myself, and then I said, you know, Jim, what do you think of this? And, and I'm glad I did, because he, you know, two heads are better than one, and he put a few lines in there that, that um I wouldn't have or hadn't come up with. And so, you know, it's really kind of neat to share that way. And then I think definitely my stronger suit is the lyric. And so sometimes if I uh, get with a real strong melody person, um, we come up with a better song that way. And and so like yesterday, I wrote with, with Wood Newton, and we, we came up with a really fun new song as well. And, and so I kind of, when I come to town now, very rarely do I write with new writers because I I know who I can um, write a song with and, and most of the time if I get with that particular person we'll get something done and uh, you know it, we, we know each other you don't have to go through that uh, beginning process where you know you don't know me and I don't know you and this I don't know what your style of writing is but this is mine and so uh, and and most of the writers that I write with now too also come out and enjoy coming out to Oregon to the ranch and we write some out there as well, which is which is a lot of fun. So um, well, good question. And and I think you know, I mean, still I really much enjoy writing by myself, but I I really enjoy the co-writing process. Yeah, when when uh, when you're out on the ranch and and something and you smell something like um, sweet summer hay, which I think is the next mm. song on the playlist. Um, do you remind yourself with it? Do you, you know, pick up your phone and say a little something um, into your phone to catch your thought, or do you write it down, or how do you kind of keep track of Both. your ideas? Both, but that's, that's, <laughs> Both. A, that's a good point, too, because, you know, and I always make sure that, that I have, oh, I don't know, probably eight to ten ideas um, when I go into a writing appointment, and usually my co-writer will as well, and then because, you know, it, it, it has to be something that sparks us both. And, and, and so I, I think, you know, I like to have a list of some song titles or some ideas when we, when we be, begin the process. And I don't know what we ever did without phones and that we can, because, yeah, I'll just usually 
sing a little bit of what I'm what I'm hearing with the idea and the lyric to it, and you know, it takes all of ten seconds to do that and right. get your, and then you've got your idea saved and. Because, you know, a lot of times, too, if, if you're out hauling hay, you're not going to have time to say, well, hold up, everybody. I'm going to write a song right now. <laughs> exactly. You know? so, yeah, yeah so got, tell us a little bit just, about Sweet. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yeah, Sweet yeah, Summer so Hay. Yeah, and I think that part of it later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a special song to me because I did used to ride with my dad on the tractor for hours. I just, and we would sing. My dad was in, in a uh, barbershop quartet, and so a lot of times, like cowboy camp meeting and things, when I would be out there on the tractor with him, he would say, here, you sing this part and I'll do this. And so we'd be out there mowing hay and, and singing. And I had this little part on this old Moline tractor that he put a gunny sack over for me, and it was like my little saddle. So I would just uh, sit there with him for hours on the on the tractor. And, and that was what um, Jim and I were talking about when – we got the idea for that because I said I've always loved you know I had the idea I've always loved to smell a sweet hum, summer hay and then I told him how I used to just um, love to ride around on the tractor with dad and and help haul hay that was you know a lot of work for people but I always for some crazy reason really really enjoyed it and uh, you know my mom would always make a big homemade meal for the hay haulers to come in and have after they'd worked and you know it's just a great great memories and and that's kind of what inspired that song. Well, let's Love take it. a listen to the song. <laughs> this is Sweet Summer Hay, Joni Harms, and we'll be back to talk more with her in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. Green fields are waving in a warm summer breeze. Pulled my hat to my brow. Rolled my jeans to my knees Up on a tractor Right by his side All through the day On that tractor I'd ride Then we'd pick up the bales And haul them away Oh, and I love the smell Of that sweet summer hay sweet summer hay we had a barn with rafters so high at a dance in the barn you first caught my eye watching folks sway to the fiddle so sweet when you ask me to dance, my heart skipped a beat. Then you took my hand and we slipped away. Shared our first kiss in that sweet summer hay. Sweet summer hay. Side by side All through the years 
We've laughed and we've cried The farm is still here But our children have grown In those same fields of green The tractor rolls on And it's still you and me At the end of the day Walking through fields Of sweet summer hay Sweet summer hay Summer Hay, it's Joni Harms, it's from the CD Lucky 13, and and I can't tell you, Joni, how many times I have gotten in trouble getting my first kiss in Sweet Summer Hay. Oh, to this day, I really, truly do. There's nothing much sweeter than that smell. I mean, and and now that Luke, he's got, I think, about 300 acres down right now. So he's out there smelling it pretty heavy, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it it, it is, it's just something about it. It's kind of, um, oh, what would be the word? Just almost hypnotizing with its smell, kind of, because it just, it's really, really just a fresh, sweet smell that's kind of hard to describe if you haven't ever smelled it. Well, I'm telling you, it's they they they've just cut and rolled our hay out at the farm, so I know what you're talking about. Good. I know what good. you're talking yep. about. Very good. Well, that's kind of you know I don't know it's kind of been a theme throughout this album. It's fairly agricultural with 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 still covering a lot of topics, but from the first song being God bless the farmer, being so true about it, the farmers to say didn't have food on our table and out there doing that we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to, to to eat and sit down and go to the grocery stores like we do and and you know um it's it's like the sweet summer hay and and hauling the cows to the auction and and cowgirl tough it's it's my lifestyle um but you know and and, and I, I dedicate this whole album towards all those farmers and ranchers out there but i also think or even folks that may never have hardly had a chance to visit a farm or a ranch, it's important that they they hear and they know some of these stories as well. And and it seems that um, a lot of the times, a lot of the feedback that I've been getting from this CD, they are enjoying that and 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 feeling like kind of they're they're hearing a little bit more about it from someone who's experienced it experienced it and and kind of feeling like, well, I I, I feel like I'm kind of there from listening to this music. Well, you know, Joni, well, I think a- in this world of uh, in, in this world of high tech and image driven, you know, um, and and short um, text bites and such, that we are also hungering for um, the real, you know, the handcraft and the um, the roots. It's it's almost like the arts and crafts movement was an answer to the industrial revolution. And right. I and I think that we we are needing to feel that soil between our toes. If we would just get away from our phones and look up, put you know, get unwired and go out and like get back in touch with that world around us, 
um, we we need that to feed our to feed our souls, and it's kind of getting lost. But we look for those messages, and and I can clearly see with what you just described that that is one reason I think this CD will get a tremendous amount of airplay because I think we're all hungry for it, though we may not realize it. Just a little horse sense is what we need to go back to, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Okay. Amen. Another song on there that was a lot of fun tonight. Yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, I mean, that's what my dad even used to say that. I mean, he graduated high school, but he said, you know, even uh, he passed away when he was 89, and, and uh, that's been a few years ago now, and it wasn't near as tech-savvy, you know, or, or there wasn't near as much going on as there is now. But he even still used to say, you know, people are, a lot of people are book smart, and they they are you know wonderful um, educations, but they they're not they don't have any horse sense. So that always kind of mm-hmm. stuck in my mind, and that's what inspired that <laughs> one too. Uh, guys, I want to know what inspired tofu. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to ask me that, Gary. <laughs> well, once again, I've been a, you know lived on a ranch all my life, and so I've had. Mostly beef, but certainly we've had pork and chicken and and lots of lots of meat. So I I can't imagine not not eating meat. I I love it and um, you know I respect vegetarians absolutely if that's their choice. The one thing though I will say on the tofu, which is bean curd, um, they they do everything to try to season it up to taste like meat, and that that's what's crazy to me. If you're gonna have you know if you want it to taste like that, by golly, just just have some meat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not meant to offend anybody. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek funny. Um, hopefully, is is you know, like I say, I, d- I did not mean to offend anybody, but but I, I personally don't like it, and uh, so I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> I'm I'm with you on that one. But this was just Me such too. a fun song. We had to, we had to include that in there. So let's take a listen to Tofu. It's by Joni Harms, and we're on the Campfire Cafe. him for a ride singing folks the songs i write fills my heart with pride i'm happy in my cowboy hat my old dusty boots and i'll eat dang near anything in true i just don't like tofu i'm crazy about this faithful dog always by my side sitting on my front porch on a cool summer's night The smell of sizzling T-bones Makes my taste buds come alive But I'll eat about anything It's true I just don't like tofu I'm really not that hard to please I'm the easy-going kind But don't you try to change me Cause I know what I like A good hot cup of coffee Start up a new day as I head out to the barn, feed the cattle hay. There's nothing like a good night's sleep when a hard day's work is through. And did I mention, darling, I love you? I just don't like tofu.
Mitchell, they were talking about sushi, and he said, well, where I come from, that's fish bait. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, it has been great to have you on the show today, and for the folks that are listening that may be in the Nashville area, uh, tonight you're playing where? It's called um, Taps and Tapas, and uh, it's it's going to be a really fun night. There will be a lot of songwriters out there before us, but our uh, show is from 8 to 9. Um, so uh, come on out. I've got more details on the website, which is www.joniharms.com. And uh, also our dates of where all we're going to be this summer are on there, as well as uh, videos and, and information, certainly how to get a copy of some CDs if you'd like. So thank you so much, both Bobby and Gary, for having me on the show today. Well, you are a joy to have well, on I'm- and and. Please come back when you get the new CD out with Olivia. Uh, let us know. Yeah, I'd love to. to but uh, it's great to have you, and uh, uh, always so much fun to talk with you. This is a great CD. There is such a variety on it, and we would encourage people to pick up their own copy of Lucky 13. But uh, we're going to close the show out today on the Campfire Cafe with a song that's the first song on the new CD, and it's one called God Bless the Farmer. Do you want to tell us anything about this one? I would love to. And again, uh, it is it is my heritage and, and my background to be part of the farming and ranching world. But, you know, uh, I think sometimes folks take for granted that they just go to the grocery store and there's there's meat and, and cheese and lettuce and tomatoes and, and like milk and whatever you might, might need just right there at your fingertips. But uh, farming and ranching is a seven-day-a-week job, and um, they work from sunup till sundown with a job that's never done. And so I think once in a while it's just maybe, you know, as folks, I think it's important to go up and thank the military for what they do. I think maybe it'd be nice once in a while to go thank a farmer for putting food on the table. All right. Well, this is God Bless the Farmers, and God bless you, Joni. Have a great time in Nashville. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me on the show. Have a great Fourth of July coming right up, and uh, we have a, we're all over the place this summer, Olivia and I and the band. And so, uh, please check out our tour page, folks. And if you can come out and see us any place at all, we would certainly love to have you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And this is God bless the farmer. It's from Lucky Thirteen. God bless the farmers working seven days a week. Lord knows without them. 
we wouldn't eat. The world's on his shoulders, still proudly he stands. God bless the farmers of this land. They're already working when you start your day. Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, along with my co-host in Albuquerque, Bobby Jean Bell. And it's time now for Saddle Up America. When we come back, we'll be talking with Mark and Lee Bolander at Bolander Horse Park in Washington State. But before we do that, here's a great song by Clint Bradley, and it's one called A Fine Horse. There's a dream for sale, but the price is high. There's a dream and me, the gems won't die. When the sun sinks down low in the western sky, I begin to dream. I begin to cry And it's calling 
There's a letter written deep in my soul. I wonder, will it be delivered before I'm too old? Riding a fine horse through new country tonight, and the dream gets stronger as the years. Hurry by, and it's calling, calling. Yes, it's calling to me. When it's moonlight and shadows, that's my cowboy time. I dream of a life that could never, oh no, never, oh no, never be mine. Island of rain. I close my eyes. I'm there again, riding a fine horse through Montana tonight. And the dream will stay with me till the day that I die. And it's cold. Yes, it's calling to me. Calling, calling. Yes, it's calling, calling to me. Mountain Trail is just absolutely growing like gangbusters and taking over the horse world all across the United States as well as many, many foreign countries. And we have with us now the founder of International Mountain Trail, Mr. Mark Bolander. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Or good, good morning to you, my friend. <laughs> good afternoon here. The good morning where you are. So we're we're excited to have you on today. We're excited to have you on today. So you've been traveling, haven't you? We've been crisscrossing the globe <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Last year we did like 150,000 air miles, enough to circle this globe six times. So, yeah, Mountain Trail has definitely grown around the globe, and especially in the United States. We can't be more excited. Well, it it is a fun sport, 
And uh, and before we get into some of the things that you are involved in, why don't you tell us for our audience out there that may not be familiar with Mountain Trail exactly what that is? Oh, Mountain Trail is a new equine discipline. It's kind of a combination between raining, dressage, and three-day eventing. It's a go-forward discipline. We want the finesse of dressage and raining. It's many trail obstacles, some man-made, some natural. It's a discipline of horsemanship and of transitions. Uh, in arena trail, it's much slower. This here is move forward. This is neither a discipline for an English horse or a Western horse. or It's just for all horses, all breeds, and meals. It's, um, I guess it's the first equine discipline that literally is bringing all breeds and all riding disciplines together, which is really exciting in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. And uh, uh, you've got a great website and a great Facebook page. And if you have not visited Bolander Horse Park on Facebook or visited their website, be sure and do that and uh, watch some of the great video that they've got. It's it's just an exciting exciting sport, but um, what is the International Mountain Trail Association? It's an association to basically promote good horsemanship and to promote a new discipline. And our dream and goal is to move it forward to the World Games and the Olympics. Um, and so, it has a website imtca.org where you can go, you can see all the rules, the regulations, um, the judging criteria. It's a very objectively judged discipline. It's kind of like jumping. If you knock down a rail, you get a fault. If you knock over a barrel on barrel racings, you get a time penalty. So this right. year, everything is uh, very objective, and people like that. It's not subjective. You're not wondering how am I going to score? You should walk out of that show ring knowing how you scored. Well, now a, you, lot you course, a lot of the courses are made so you can run two or three or four classes at once. Uh, you know, we have courses that have been set up in stadiums, and but most of them, as you've seen, are out outside. Yeah, Bobby, you and, had a question. And it's inter. Well, it's definitely international in scope. I think I saw on the website there's something happening. Is it this weekend in France? Yeah, we have a bunch of them going in France. Um, we have a bunch in Australia, a bunch in Italy, and Germany. Uh, it's in about 11 nations, Canada, um, United States. Um, we just had a, They just had a big show in Ohio last weekend at Creekside, Horse Park is is close to Canton, Ohio, and they had the Ohio Quarter Horse ride there, and also made it part of the show. And Dr. Scott Myers, there's video of him riding through the course, and he's never done it before. He's seen the videos like you, and some of those videos have had over 10 million views. They've seen the videos, but he's never had a chance to ride it. So this time he got to ride it on a really nice little horse owned by Sydney, and he had a blast. So we will actually be building a whole course at the Quarter Horse Congress this year in October. We will be oh, demonstrating great. it in the, in the horse that you see so much on the videos, checkers. This 
he will be trucked back there if everything goes as planned, and he will demonstrate all this bridalist for the stadium. And the last horse to do something like this was his grandpa, a horse named Rugged Lark. If all goes well, we'll actually be part of the Congress next year, which is really exciting. So we're still looking for sponsors. Um, Northwest Steel Design has stepped up and paid half the sponsorship to get us there. And Bollinger Horse Park will probably do some. And then all the different parks, we're asking them to chip in, you know, to promote Mountain Trail and go from there. And so, you know, it's three steps forward, two steps back, but we're making a tremendous <laughs> amount of progress, and that's what's exciting. It is exciting. It is exciting. Well, Mark, how did how, how did it grow worldwide? I mean, you've, you've, you've got organizations in all of these different countries, France, Italy, Canada, Australia. How did it grow so? Well, the Internet today is a powerful tool. Del Wilkinson, kind of the grandfather of reigning, worked his life to do what we have done in five years. Not that, not that we're super. We have a super product. Yes, Mountain Trail is fun. But the information age, you can have millions of people become aware of something almost overnight. And that is something right. that's been different in the past. And so when people contact us, we're able to uh, reach back to them in a very quick manner. For instance, um, Five minutes ago, I'm talking with people in France uh, and what we need to do with the FEI there. And a little bit ago, I was talking with people in Australia. We have a world clock, uh, clock so we know pretty much what time everyone's on. Uh, we've learned not to call people in the middle of the night. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's, growing, it's growing because of the Internet, and we have a strong association uh, with a great foundation, uh, the foundation is of the judging and the criteria, and so now we're ready to really move it forward. And I think building the courses where people can come, then we have a new program for many courses. My wife had a great open house this spring at home where many facilities came in, and you can set up a whole mini mountain trail course inside a, of an, an arena and hold a sanctioned show. And so that, that's another option. We're trying to send plans. We send them all over the globe constantly to all IMTCA members so they can build their own obstacles and practice and then go to some of these large um, facilities for the shows and the challenges. Now, now Mark, you're, you're, building, you're building, you're designing and building courses all over this country. Have you built some in some of the foreign countries as well? Oh, yeah, Germany, Italy, Australia, um, Canada. Sure, yeah, wherever we go, we design and build these. And uh, all those courses you see, we design and build uh, for the most part in six days. And then on the seventh wow. day, we hold clinics. We hold clinics. So when I wow. show up, all the, all the equipment's there, all the materials there, the labors are there. Uh, this last course I just built in uh, New York, I had seven Amish carpenters. I had a great contractor uh, with incredible equipment, and then I was running excavator and bulldozer and loader, and I was being a carpenter, and we, we, that's <laughs> happened in six days. Six, six long days, you get a course. And so I wow. put uh, an artistic background, a trainer's background, and a builder's background all together in one, and that's how we pull it off. Well, yeah, not, not, not only beautiful. are they... Yeah, yeah, I started to say that's that's part of it. They're aesthetically pleasing. 
they're they're beautiful courses and uh uh and and comes out of your head that just amazes me yeah it comes out of my head because each site is different and each course is designed to the site uh, depending mm-hmm. on what the background is, what the terrain is, do I have any wet issues to deal with? Uh, this last course, we went through 21 uh, truckloads of great big rocks, 35 loads of gravel, and 375 yards of mulch or beauty bark. Depends on what you call it, depending on where we are in the country. And right. that was all put together, and that's what we did. And so we had some challenges, and often challenges lead to uh, real beauty. And then we put in that pond. We had a pond liner. Uh, uh, well, it was a 50 by 100 pond. So it's a really nice pond, as you can see. It has a waterfall. We built that. Um, and so that it just all comes together. It comes together very quickly. But we have a lot of background in building, so that helps. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So now you don't have a course in Tennessee yet? We do not have a tour course in Tennessee. My next one I'll build the end of July, 1st of August, is in Virginia. And so we're really looking forward to that. Oh, that's great. That now, is great. There's, uh, Mark, there's, there are two, two types of um, competitions. One is mountain trail, and then there's extreme mountain trail. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between the two? Well, we used to call it extreme mountain trail, but we went away from that just for the simple reason it gets confusing with some of the other programs that are out there. Uh, but pretty much the extreme is when you pick it up. At first, when it first started, it, the discipline has evolved greatly. When it first started, everything was at a walk. And then the second phase, we begin to trot or gate between the obstacles. And now we cantaloupe between the obstacles. And you walk through the obstacles. And the reason we call it a cantaloupe, this is not English or Western stock feet or Spanish. So we got tired of saying canter your horse or lope your horse. So it's now a cantaloupe your horse, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and that's global. <laughs> so, yes, it, it has evolved. It has evolved greatly. So all the courses now are designed so they can have three levels. You know, level one that's not going to scare or intimidate the beginning rider. Level two, when they're beginning to get better and they want to challenge themselves. And level three will challenge even the Olympic rider. Wow. Well, your website is is terrific. I spent um, uh, quite a bit of time last night on the website. And not being an equestrian, I was fascinated with all of the information about your um, training philosophy. I learned a lot about horse herd behavior which i i really didn't did not know and i enjoyed looking at the patterns on the parks um as you prepare for competition i thought that mm-hmm. was really cool that you could see kind of an overview of what that course looked like um like looking at a landscape plan a gardening plan but then be able to follow like this is where they should trot. This is where they're going to cantaloupe. This is um, the order that they do. So when they come, when a competitor prepares, do they get an opportunity to run through the course of a right a number of times before they actually compete? They can do that in practice the day before, but not the day of the show. We have chosen to go with what the NRHA did. Uh, list the plans early on so people can go practice. Um, and so you don't show up and be a surprise. Can I remember my pattern? We're looking for mm-hmm. you, you know, to 
show us your finesse, show us what you have. And by the way, on the philosophy, we'll be actually speaking at the Quarter Horse Congress this year on the difference between intelligence versus the instinct of the animal. And it's really amazing. We've learned how to dissect instincts, and there's instincts within instincts. And certain instincts override the fear of the unknown, and we've learned how to trigger those. So now the swinging bridge will take an average of about five minutes, and teaching them to walk across the balance beam will take an average of about five minutes. And first oh, wow. of all, though, we have to get into their mind. And once we get into their mind, it's amazing what can be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all fascinating. I could figure out what most of the obstacles were except for the cowboy curtain. What what obstacle is a cowboy curtain? A <laughs> <laughs> cowboy curtain is just a curtain that hangs down. The horses have to learn to walk through it. The funniest thing uh-huh. that you've ever seen, though, most uh, thoroughbreds <laughs> off the racetrack, they walk up to it and they wait for the gate to open. <laughs> they, have, they, have to, yeah, they have to be taught that they can go through it, but they're waiting. They're they're not running. They're just standing there straight. Open the gate, we'll run. You know, so it's, we've learned that. It's just, it's just a fun thing that's been out there for a while. Usually we have IMTCA logo on it or something, something fun for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's funny. Fun. That is funny. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, it's uh it's it's a it's a it's a it's a sport that I would like to get involved in. And uh, uh how can people I do would that? They... I I I would be aware. I would tell people do not get involved. It is highly addictive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but go go to the website. Yeah. Go to the website, get signed up. Your membership is $35 a year. Find out where the competitions are. Um, you know, we have them from Nevada to Washington to New York uh, and all through, and we're building them just as fast as we can. But we would love everyone to be a part of a discipline that really builds a true partnership with their horse and is surrounded by horsemanship. And this is fun, and people are having fun. They're there encouraging each other. It's back to what it should be. It is fun. Well, that's, that's you build absolutely fun. You build a lot of um, places along the trails for spectators, and, of course, some of those, I guess, would be for the judges to be positioned at. Is that true? That's true, yeah. On the bigger courses, you know, if you got 400 goes to judge in a day, you're going to have to have four judges at different stations. Mm-hmm. And so the courses, as you can see, are all broken down in different patterns. But, yes, it's a spectator sport. So more and more we're putting the spectators right in the center of the action where horses are going right by them. They love that. Uh, We love that. The riders love it. Um, The horses seem to enjoy it. And, yes, then we have various places where the judges can stand, hopefully under cover, if not under an umbrella on a hot day or a rainy day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can God. see how it could also grow as a, just as a spectator sport for for folks that um, that already have a, a love for horses, but for folks like me that don't don't ride but can totally enjoy the beauty of the sport. Right, right. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, this is a beautiful. It is a beautiful uh, discipline. Uh, not only aesthetically, we love the beautiful backdrops and whatnot, but it's just a beautiful discipline to watch unity and a partner between horse and rider. And 
it, there's nothing that, you know, when you watch a horse cantaloupe up to the swinging bridge, step on, do a 180, back off, and then lope off, that takes your breath away. And we have people that are doing it that make it look flawless and so easy. And it is easy if you know how to train it correctly. That is, that is that is great. How how much how much land does it usually take to build a course? They are about um, the smallest one is in New Mexico or uh, Nevada. I want to say is uh, about three fourths of an acre, and then the largest oh, ones really? are about two and one half acres. The one that okay. was on so TV is a little over two and a half acres there out of Denver and Evergreen. Yeah, yeah. So, so it really doesn't small, take that much small. land. No, no, no. Very small, very small footprint. Just me, need to make sure we have parking and and I go from there. But no, they do not take. It's a spectator sport, and all the courses that they tried to spread out over everything have been a failure. This is a spectator people sport. Okay. Well, I was just I was just curious about how much land that it took. Well, I want to take a quick break. And then come back and visit with you just a little bit about Bolander Horse Park. And uh, okay. uh, you've got you've got quite an operation out there in Washington. So let's take a listen, Bobby. This is this is talking about uh, horse sense, and this is one by <laughs> Kristen Harris. It's called "What a Horse Has Got to Do." So let's take a listen to that, and we'll come back and talk more with Mr. Mark Bolander on Saddle of America.
<laughs> Kristen Harris, what a horse has got to do. But uh, we're talking today with Mark Bolander of Bolander Park and the International Mountain Trail Association. And Mark, tell us a little bit about where Bolander is and and what you actually see and are doing there. A Bolander Horse Park is actually the first permanent mountain trail course, to my knowledge, built in the world. It's gone through a number of upgrades. Uh, last year, we did a major renovation upgrade because we pretty much set the standard for the world, and we're always looking to improve. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's on about one and a half acres is all. Uh, out of the 30 acres, you know, there's waterfalls, water features and mountains and a couple swinging bridges, etc. But people come to learn how to train for mountain trail from around the world. Interns are always there from somewhere. And some of the universities, uh, Colorado State or CSU, Montana State, uh, we've got an intern from each of them right now. And then we've had uh, Stevens College back in Missouri and several from Canada that send interns and Italy and in Europe and Germany. So they have to learn how you train for it. You train for a little bit bit different than what we train for the other disciplines. Some things seem to work and some don't. We've learned the hard way what works and what doesn't because we have figured out everything that we've done wrong. Probably shouldn't do that again. Uh, but yeah. it's a place where people can come and stay and learn. We hold clinics constantly and shows, and you can see the schedule on BullenderHorsepark.com. Well, it is, it is a beautiful facility, beautiful facility that you have there. And, uh, we like and, and, and who we like Huh? Yeah. Who actually like runs trees. the show? At, who actually runs the show at Bolander Horse Park? Well, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it was my wife. <laughs> Did she design the ladies' night? Was she the inspiration behind the ladies' night that's coming up? You know, I thought that was the quackiest idea she'd ever come up with. Ladies' night, that'll be twenty or twenty-eight ladies show up at ladies' night. They have a time of their life. Uh, it's yeah. been extremely successful, and I I would never have dreamt it. But yes, that ladies' nights are exciting. Uh, groups are exciting. You know, the pony club people come. Uh, at first, they think, oh, trail, this is going to be boring. And boy, do they get surprised and smile and love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, what's you, really you're interesting. I was just uh, I was talking to the lady in, back in uh, New York that we just built the course. Uh-huh. It was really interesting that one of the uh, – I'm trying to find her. There's uh, Lucinda Green. I guess she's a great event rider. Lucinda Green. She said every eventing horse should use mountain trail for cross-training. She was shocked. Oh, wow. Oh, this, uh, this was uh, the one in Ohio, excuse me, at Stonegate Farm at uh, Jackie Smith, Jackie and Dave Smith. He's a veterinarian. They built a mountain trail course, and – uh, they do a lot of eventing clinics from world-renowned, and Lucinda Green is, I guess, very uh, well-known in the eventing world, and she was amazed on how it made the horses stop and use their brain, and it does. It's great cross-training. Wow, wow. That's quite an endorsement. On your, on your, web, on your 
On your website, since we're talking a little bit about training, you refer to the Bolender bubble, and I thought that was really interesting. Can you share a little bit about the bubble? Well, that that goes back to the instinct of the horse itself, and I'm not here to change the horse's world, um, and I'm not here to make them human. And for the most part, we have humanized horses. I'm not sure why we want to do that, because our society is pretty screwed up, and theirs is not. Yeah. But... In their world, if you turn an alpha mare out in a herd and she backs up, they all back up. They never touch the alpha mare without her approval. And it's very easy to teach. It's more powerful tool than all other tools combined I've taught. So the horse learns to back up without you ever looking at them. Uh, no wiggles, no wags, no sticks, no strings. They learn to back up, give to you. They learn to move their haunches, all that with no more than a thought. It's almost too easy but what we do we recognize instinct for what it is and instinct isn't right or wrong good or bad it just is but it's a different type of intelligence than what you and i have one that we cannot scientifically explain how it works nor can we humanly duplicate it but we can't deny it because we can see it in the world around us and so if you believe that which is a very humbling attitude toward us because we're saying okay we're not superior we're not inferior we're just different but that horse immediately picks up your focus and your thought and uh, you act like a horse and they miraculously, no, no matter where we go on the globe, no matter what make, model, size, shape, or age, or disposition of that horse, within seconds, they're backing up, they're moving, without us ever even looking at them. And it's building the bull under bubble, so that horse must know that in its world, you are above, or else your life is in danger when you move through obstacles. So they can never come or touch you without your permission. Mm-hmm. They recognize you as the leader. They recognize you as a leader, and it's, this is not about respect. It's not about authority. It's not about who is boss. It's, those are just pieces of the puzzle. It actually comes down, are you worthy of a leadership role? And the instinct mm-hmm. of the horse will determine that. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Had, Mark, Mark had, you always, had you always understood, kind of understood this, or – was it revealed to you through all of your years of working with horses and working with different trainers as you educated yourself? Well, it's really quite fascinating. Um, I got my first horse at 39. I knew nothing. So I hired someone to help me, help train my horses and teach me how to ride and show for seven years. Steve Cornwell, he's in Missouri. And then I had a lot of other great help and trainers. And I was learning the mechanics how to set them up for a slide, how to set them up for a jump. But I realized that we have so concentrated on the how, we miss the why. And you have to remember, the man that knows how will always be working for the man that knows why. So we begin to look at it, and I first stumbled across it uh, down in Florida. I was at Lynn Palms on a course that I had designed and built there at Alcala. And I noticed all the horses, when they came to a teeter-totter, they exhibited the same behavior, which led to the same human reaction regardless of the horse. And so I started putting the pieces together, and I realized that horse really doesn't realize what it's doing. Um, And you can tell some horses are very, very intelligent, and others are dumber and stumps. It's kind of like humans. Um, And so I began to realize that, 
that horse is going to do this no matter what, no matter what disposition, no matter what signs of intelligence he has. It's always going to be the same. So what is triggering that? And that's when we begin to put the pieces together that instinct and intelligence are very, very distinctly separate items. But where they meet is what we call learned behavior. And so I just started putting the pieces together. It's a very humbling process. Um, and you, if you begin to observe and then you watch the herd, you realize they have a whole language of their own. And it's a language of subtleties and minutes of which we have ignored. And so we have big issues to deal with. We would have no big issues if we would deal with the little issues and understand their language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bobby, you need to find the Bolander bubble if you're going to deal with horses now. I think we probably need it when we deal with our human um, partners too. <laughs> that could be. Oh, yeah. That could it's, be. It's actually one of. Um, I actually have a teaching degree. Um, one thing I have, and a lot of psychology. When you get an educational degree and you teach, there's a lot of psychology in horses. And it's actually very similar to a lot of the psychology of humans. We've just never connected them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty exciting stuff. Now, you've got an event coming up this weekend. And and tell us a little bit about that. It'll be a clinic down in Sherwood, Oregon. I think on um, Fire Mountain in Sherwood, Linda Wagner's place. Uh, and that's filled up. That'll be a lot of fun. And she has got a beautiful course. I call it my jewel in the forest. Uh, we have huge trees I was able to work around and leave. So it's just stunning and spectacular. It has a pond and everything else in it. So we'll be starting on there. And they learn the Bolander bubble. And by the end of the second day, they're all riding over swinging bridges and balanced beams and going through water. <laughs> What's the reaction? from people that experience your well, program? Well, the first thing they say is, my horse is never going to do that, 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 or that, <laughs> but maybe this. And when I tell uh, them, I said, in a few days, you'll be doing all of that, they look at me like, you don't know my horse. And I've had people tell me, you've never met my horse, and on my first reaction is, I've met your horse, you just don't know it. Because they're all the same <laughs> instinct. Uh, and sure enough, it's it's you know they had a big event horse, big jumper back there in New York, and all week long that lady says, uh, "My horse won't do any of this." Big warm blood. And I said, "Of course it will." She said, "You haven't met my horse, big mare." And I said, "Doesn't matter. You betcha." I used that mare for an open house demonstration uh, after the first day. Oh wow, wow, that's absolutely I to, amazing. I have to tell you though, it. It, it didn't think much of the swinging bridge at first, nor of the squirting water box. But, no, they all do it. They all do it. Everyone can be successful at this. All horses are good. Wow. That is great. So how often do people, once they've experienced one of your clinics and training sessions, come back for for a brush-up or a refresher course? You know, what's really amazing if it's trained properly. We have horses that come back two, three I think the record is six years later. Wow. Actually, we just had to come back six years later. If they bought into it, were not forced into it, bought into it, there's a huge difference. They're exactly where we left them. Wow. It's amazing. They'll step on that balance beam. They'll go through that swing bridge, that water box, as if it was yesterday. 
unreal. Now, do they do that for their owners, or do they do it for you? It uh, depends on who the owner is. The horses are really easy. The hard part uh-huh. is making people believe in the horse. But if the, if I just tell people, get on, he's going to ride, they say, no, he won't. He needs to him. I said, you want me to? And uh, I'd say 50, 50% of the time I shame him into staying on the horse, and they just always ride right through. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> Uh, that's great. That is great. Well, Mark, tell us uh, tell us the different websites. How, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can look at Bolander Horse Park and then International Mountain Trail, which is imtca.org. All those have my wife's phone numbers, my phone numbers, our emails and everything. And definitely would love to work with everyone and everyone they can watch this sport grow the regionals are this year around the nation and next year if all goes well we'll have our first world show here in america wow wow now do you have any idea where that will be held it's either going to be um at the congress or at denver it'll probably be at the stock show there denver they're building a whole new facility that's at this point where we're planning, but it may change. We'll just see. That's Denver is pretty central, and it will probably be held then in uh, probably late September for the weather reasons. Okay. All right. Well, that is great. Well, you just have been a ton of fun, and uh, if Bobby hasn't learned anything else today, she's learned about the Bolander bubble. And, uh, <laughs> you can do it, Bobby. You can do it, everyone. Does. I bet I, you know, I think, I think with you, Mark, I probably could. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, oh, goodness. Okay. Well, Mark, don't, don't be a stranger. Come back and visit with us again and kind of update us on what's going on with the International Mountain Trail. And, uh, and you take shame on her for not having made it to the show today. I was looking Aww. forward to talking with her. Okay, I will. We'll see you then. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Mr. Mark Bolander, Bolander Horse Park and the International Mountain Trail Association. And uh, I I tell you, Bobby, his wife, Lee, is, is a doer and a shaker. And uh, Well, I wanted to sorry. go to the ladies' night. Yeah. Well, he probably could <laughs> if they're not sold out. If they're not sold out, fascinating stuff. And uh, the International Mountain Trail Association and the Mountain Trail courses are just so much fun to watch. And uh, if you haven't gotten involved, be sure and visit his website and and find out where they're holding events around the around the globe. Really, and uh, great great organization. Really great people to work with so uh, Mark Bolander visit their YouTube channel and see all the different things that are taking place pretty fascinating isn't it Bobby well I really again enjoyed um, on the there was so much to look at on the website including the the videos but uh, you know there's just simple things that all of you equestrians know that I still is new to me. I had no idea that a horse is able to feel your heartbeat. And yeah. it will know if you're calm or stressed simply by the changes in your heartbeat. And I, um, that was like, that was new to me. 
I, I didn't I didn't know that the connection was that close. So it was he has a, a very very clear and easy to understand for all us lay people. <laughs> um, really information about again the relationships in the herd and then how they you know they bring that to the one on one relationship with the rider. So fascinating. It is fascinating. You know, if you spend time with horses, like some of us have all of our lives, uh, it's amazing just to watch them and see how they interact with one another. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then if you can transfer that over, you're you're just way ahead of the game, way ahead of the game. But anyway, it's been a fun show today, talking with Mark Bolander with Bolander Horse Park. And then Joni Harms is always so much fun to have on the show it is a great cd lucky 13 and uh joniharms.com to find out all about joni and where she's performing and to purchase her great music so anyway been a fun been a fun show today and so we're we're really pleased to have had our guest with us today and to share their music and to share their information so any kind of closing thoughts for you bobby well, in honor of uh, today being summer solstice, I found um, two kind of fun uh, thoughts. One was by uh, William Shakespeare, my favorite playwright, next to uh, Tennessee Williams. Um, and it is, not only is it summer solstice, there is a full moon. May love surround you like sunshine on a sunny day. And then I found one other one. I have to find it again. Oh, yes. By Brian Wilson. Remember Brian Wilson? I remember him, (laughs) Beach Boys. Yeah. (laughs) Summer means happy times and good sunshine. It means going to the beach, going to Disneyland, and having fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, it's it's. I hope it clears off here so we can see the moon if we have one tonight. So, uh, cloudy day back here in Tennessee. But uh, it is summer, and we do have the heat, the humidity to put up with, and uh, it's just part of it. Not quite like it is in Albuquerque, is it? Well, no, it's a dry heat here. When we took our road trip back to the Midwest, it had been a while since we'd been there in the in the um, spring-summer period. And, yes, I, re- I got reacquainted with humidity. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, listen, we've had a big time today with Bobby and our and our great guest. Uh we want to remind you as always, if you climb in the saddle to get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio, and we're going to close the show out today with a great song. We had them on just a couple of months ago, Alan and Jill Kirkham, and it's one called Sunrise on the Prairie. Bobby, we will see you on the air very very soon. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Have a good week. Sunrise on the prairie, a brand new day is dawn. My pony brushed and saddled for the trail I riding on a new day in the saddle God
like whispers in the wind Sunrise on the prairie And we're on the trail again This morning before sunrise Got up to greet the day While other folks still sleeping That's just the cowboy way I love the smell of coffee Frying in the pan Oh, Cookie had started Long before the day began Now it's sunrise on the prairie A brand new day is dawn My pony brushed and saddled the trail I'm riding on A new day in the saddle God whispers in the wind Sunrise on the prairie And we're on the trail again
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.